we're in a teaching series called Momentum. And uh, the subheading of that is moving forward with faith. And, and uh, we've just been on this journey. And, and we've, this is the fourth week. We'll probably do a few more weeks. But what we've been doing is laying a foundation because it's important to have a... Anytime you build something, isn't it true? Anytime you build something, you have to have a solid foundation. Amen? Amen. If you have a solid foundation, there is a better chance that what you build will last. I believe that God is going to be building our faith over this next year. I believe he's already started within one month, within five weeks. God has been doing so much in our body. Amen. How many of you feel that? Like you feel that personally. Well, that is good. And I believe it's going to last because we're taking the time to build a strong foundation on this topic called faith. And so tonight we're going to look at the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. You can go ahead and turn there. Okay, so to really understand this parable and and how it relates to faith, you have to understand three things, okay? And I'll just lay it out there. One is that the sower is God, okay? The seed is Jesus, and the soil is us, specifically our heart. We know that the sower is God. It's kind of obvious that the sower is is the Lord, is God. But there's a scripture in Hosea chapter 2, verse uh, 22, I believe it is, and I think it's on the screen. You can look at it and read it with me, and look what it says. It says that the earth will respond to the grain and to the new wine and to the oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. Now, this chapter ultimately is talking about the restoration of Israel as a nation, um, restoring their land, restoring them back to their original calling, which is to be the light to all the other nations. But look, it says the grain, the new wine, and the oil. Okay, these are all things that someone that was a little more well-to-do, that was living a life of abundance, would have. Grain, not just wine, new wine, right? And oil. These are things that represent a life of abundance. But even more than that, look, the grain, obviously, if the seed is Jesus, then the grain is a picture of Jesus. New wine in, in, in Scripture is um, a lot of times talking about salvation, talking about the new covenant. So obviously, this is about Jesus. And then oil in Scripture is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So you look at this, and, um, and you realize that the whole earth not just Jewish people, but non-Jewish people, Gentiles, are crying out. It's the picture of them crying out for an abundant life. The idea is, and we talked about that a little bit, that everybody's looking for a life of significance. They're looking for a life of blessing. They want something more out of their life. We want that, right? Well, we're not the only ones. Unbelievers and people that don't know the Lord, they're wanting that too. The whole earth is crying out for an abundant life. And what did John 10.10 say? John 10.10 10 says that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, the Son of God, the seed, came to bring abundant life. Well, who sent Jesus into the world? God did. So God, obviously, is the sower. We know that. John 3.16, we all know that one. For God so loved the world that he gave, he sowed his Son into the world. That whoever would believe in him would Um, would have eternal life. But even you go on into verse 17, which we don't really quote as much. It says, God did not send or God did not sow his son in the world to bring judgment, but that the world might be saved. So God sowed the seed, his seed, his son, his word into the world for a purpose. And that was to save lives. Amen. Are you with me? Remember, hankies and amen. Hankies and amen. If you're visiting, that means participate. (laughs) All right. 
Are we on the same page so far? Remember what it said though, and in Hosea 2, 22. They will respond to Jezreel. Jezreel is a name. The scripture talks about the valley of Jezreel. I don't have time to go on all, into all that, but I want to tell you that that word Jezreel comes from two words. Jezreel, which means to sow, and El, which is the Hebrew word for God. So Jezreel means God sows. You with me? Jezreel means so they will respond to God sowing, and that's exactly what he's done. He has sown seed. God has sown his grain. And I saw this picture this past week of this hand, and it's a hand sowing seed. And I love it because it, to me it is, I think, a right representation of how God sows. Notice that his hand is open. He's just sowing freely. You guys ever heard that phrase? Man, when that person gives, they just give so open-handedly. Anybody ever heard that phrase? That, open, that, word, um, that phrase that we use, it, it means to give freely. It means to, when I give, I give generously. It actually means to lavish. When I give, when I sow, when I pour out, I do it in a lavish kind of a way. That's what that open-handed means. Well, what does Scripture say? It says that um, how great is the love the Father has lavished his love upon us. That we might be called children of God. And one version says, and that's what we are. Meaning we are abundantly blessed. Can I get a hanky? Can I get an amen? If Stella were here, she would have already given me 10. I don't know where she's at. We need to. Amen. Thank you. Abundantly blessed. Now look what it says at the end of this. That was 1 John 3, 1. It says, the reason the world does not know us is because it did not know him. Now remember what we read in Hosea 2, chapter 22. It says that the earth will respond to the grain. Unfortunately, not everybody is going to respond to the grain, receive the seed the same way. Isn't that true? And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But let's go ahead and look at the seed. The seed, what did we say the seed was? What did we say the seed was? The seed is Jesus. Um, we know that the seed is Jesus because he, over in verse 19, he goes on to say that the, that the seed is the word of the kingdom. Remember that? If you keep on reading, that, and we'll look at it in a minute, but it says that the seed is the word of the kingdom. Well, we know that the word is Jesus. Why? Because John 1 tells us that. In the beginning was the, and the word was, and he was with God in the beginning. Amen. We know that Jesus is the word. But listen, there's a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples one time. And he was kind of breaking the news that he's going to be dying. It's like, guys, listen, I'm going to be dying. I'm going to go to the cross. But this is necessary. They're like, no, 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 no. He says, listen, I tell you the truth. You need to hear this, he's telling his disciples. Unless a grain of wheat, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it's only going to remain a single seed. In other words, it will not produce anything. It will not grow. It will not sprout until it goes into the ground. It's just a seed. We got a seed. It doesn't do anything. Never will until it goes into the ground. Unless a single grain of seed goes into the ground and dies, it remains but a single seed. But if it dies, it says it will bear much fruit. Amen? And we know that Jesus is telling them that he's going to die. He says, and this is for this very reason that I came to the earth to reconcile the fall. 
to undo what Adam and Eve did in the garden. And we talked about that last week. If you weren't here, in fact, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to all the podcasts from the beginning of this year because God's been really doing some things in our heart. And we're on a journey. God is teaching. We're laying that foundation for faith because I believe God is building that, but we want it to last. So if you haven't been tracking here, or I would encourage you to go back and listen to them. But he says, um, it says that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, and I'm going into the ground because my father sowed me here. I am a seed that will go into the ground and I am going to reconcile. I'm going to undo what Adam and Eve did in the garden. We talked about what they did last week. Remember, we talked about how Adam and Eve removed themselves from the faith. You guys remember that? Amen? Yes? Hanky. That they removed themselves. They did this. They removed themselves from a relationship with the Godhead. From a relationship with the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They, they believed Satan's word, didn't they? Over God's word. They believed the lie over the truth. And they essentially chose death over life. God said, if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. The day you eat it, you're going to die. And they ate it. So what did they do? They chose, they chose death. Remember what we said? When Adam and Eve forewent their faith or left their faith, they forfeited their life. Remember we talked about that last week. Well, listen, Scripture tells us that Jesus is the word John 1, that they didn't believe. Isn't that true? Jesus is the truth, John 14, 6, that they did not believe. They believed the lie instead. And the life that they left, they chose death over life. The life that they chose not to have anymore, John 14, 6, is also Jesus. All three of those things are Jesus. So, um, and I talked about how Hebrews says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one that's in charge of faith. And we talked about uh, how faith comes from the hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when they chose not to hear the word, believe the word, trust the word, they stepped out of faith. Why? Because faith comes from the word. You guys remember that? So when they decided to take Jesus out of the equation, the word, the truth, the life, they stepped out of faith. They literally um, uprooted themselves out of God's glorious garden. That's what they did out of his presence. Now, there's a place in Proverbs chapter 10 that says that the righteous will never be uprooted. But it says that the wicked will not remain in the land. Well, that's what happened, isn't it? The wicked did not remain in the land. They got kicked out of the garden. Adam and Eve began walking in wickedness, if you will, when they doubted God's word. And, uh, and we talked about that. By the way, that, that truth still rings today, what I just said. When we doubt God's word, we will begin to walk in wickedness. In fact, some of you guys may be struggling with a, a we won't call it wickedness, although it is, but sin, some sort of sin that's got you, got you by the throat, got you by the arms, tugging you around, and you've been trying to get over it for a lot of years, and you're having a difficult time. Can I just suggest the word? Can I suggest the word of God? To read it, but not just read it, but to believe it. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. John tells us in 1 John that everyone born of God overcomes the world. Right? And this is how we overcome the world, the victory over the world, 
through our faith. That's what it says right there in 1 John 5. And faith comes from hearing. So if you want the faith that it takes to overcome the world, which has us by the throat, you got to get in the what? The word. And that's why God sowed his word. That's why God gave his son, Jesus, to us to restore us back to the faith, to restore that relationship with God. And I thought about it this way, to reroute us into the truth. Isn't that good? To Because they uprooted themselves. But God says, I want to reroute you in the word, in the truth, in the life, in the faith. Now, if doubting the word and refusing the truth is what took Adam and Eve out of the faith, what puts us, what puts us back in the faith? Think about that. If doubting the word and refusing the truth is what took Adam and Eve, way back when, out of the faith, what puts us back in the faith? Believing the truth. Right? Receiving the word. you got to hear this because we're going somewhere. Receiving the word. Believing the truth. Um, now, when you think about the parable, we just watched this. What was the, uh, the re- how do you say that? What was the receiver of the word in this parable? The soil. The seed went into what? The soil. So the soil is what receives the word. Remember what we said. God is the sower. Jesus is the seed. But the soil is our heart. The soil is our heart. Now, notice that the only thing that is inconsistent, the only thing that changes in this parable is the soil. You ever thought about that? The sower doesn't change, does he? We know that through Scripture. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is everlasting, unchanging. The seed doesn't change until it dies and goes in the seed and uh, goes into the ground. But he can't do that until what? The soil receives it. So the soil is the only thing that is inconsistent. The only thing that wavers. The only thing that changes. Remember what Hosea said in chapter 2 verse, where God said to Hosea in Hosea chapter 2 verse 22. That the earth will respond to the grain. Okay, the earth is what? The earth is us. The earth is our hearts. Because the soil is our hearts. So read it this way. The, the, uh, read it this way. The, our hearts will respond to the grain. Okay, our hearts will respond to Jezreel. Our hearts will respond to God's sowing. Okay, but here's the deal. Respond can mean a couple of things. My response could be to reject the word. Or my response can be to receive the word. Isn't that true? Oh, no, it's just one option. You can only receive it. No. No, that's not true. If I'm playing softball on the Soma men's softball team, plug, plug, and, I, and then somebody's running my base, and I'm playing second base, and then it's coming, they're coming, they're coming, they throw it, two things can happen. That ball can hit right in the middle of my glove, or somehow I can get distracted and it go pop. That wasn't a good idea. My mic's over there. <laughs> but isn't that true? 
And, you know, if I take my eye off the ball, that was actually a good analogy. I didn't think about that. But that's the truth, isn't it? I can either reject the word or I can receive the word. Um, You can turn to Romans 10 if you want to real quick. I'm I'm not going to stay there long, but if you want to turn there or at least refer to it later. Romans uh, 10 says some really neat things, but it says this. But what does it say? Meaning, what does the scripture say? Paul's saying, what does the scripture say? Scripture says that the word, this is 10 verse 8, Romans 10 verse 8. The scriptures say that the word is near you. What is near you? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith. And that's what we're talking about, this whole faith thing. The message concerning faith that we proclaim. And it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart. We're familiar with the scripture, most of us. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Now I want you to notice two words in there that are really important. If you. It doesn't say when you. Well, when you um, do that. Now granted, when you works, but it's an if. When implies that you will. I mean, you just will. We just know you will. No, it doesn't say that. It says if you. It is a choice to reject the word or to receive the word. Is that true or not? I didn't say it. Paul said it. And I have a hunch that actually Jesus said it and told him to say it. But James says something similar in in chapter 1. He says, put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. And he's talking about things that are worldly. He's talking about things that just don't go, don't work in the kingdom of God. Put those things aside. And this is what he says. In humility, receive the word implanted. I didn't write it. He wrote it. I'm just plagiarizing. You know what I mean? In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save you. Isn't that good? By the way, faith comes to us when we receive the word that God has sown into our hearts. Let me say that again. Faith comes to us. We didn't muster up faith. Faith is a gift of God. Isn't that right? Talks about that in Ephesians 2, right? God, by grace, we are saved through faith, and that is a gift of God. So the faith is a gift to us. Okay, but that doesn't come until we say, that word looks good, I think I'll take it. And we respond. We don't reject it, we receive it, and faith comes. That's a wonderful gift. And the things that Jesus said that we can accomplish through that faith given to us, and that's what we're talking about over the next few weeks. But we've got to build a foundation. Some of you are like, I ain't got no faith. You do. If you have received the word of God, If your soil of your heart has received the word of God, then guess what scripture says? That you have faith. And when you got faith, you got Jesus. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. That's why Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than than I'm doing. Maybe not greater in magnitude, but in number. Why? Because I was only here three years, like Christy said. You know, he's a short-term missionary. He's given us 75 to 120 years to get her done. And we get her done through faith. Amen? Amen. Faith comes from hearing. Now that word hearing implies receiving. It implies understanding. And hearing by the word of Christ. Receiving the word of Christ. That's why James says don't merely listen to the word. And he says and deceive yourself. 
There's a lot of people sitting in our pews, in our chairs, that are deceived. They think they got God, but their life tells us a different story. They, re- they heard the word, but they didn't receive it. It didn't go into the ground. It didn't sprout up and produce faith. And we're going to look at that in more in a second. Remember we read Ecclesiastes 3 um, last week, verse 11. It says that God has planted eternity into our hearts. That means that every heart is soil that has the ability to please God. Let me say that again. Every heart is soil that has the ability to please God. But Hebrews 11, verse 6 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Isn't that right? For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Some versions say who diligently seek him. That implies that I just didn't just hear, I understood and I received it. And I'll be honest with you, I read this and it takes a lot of diligence to understand what you're talking about. Especially Ecclesiastes and Numbers. It's like, what, what are you talking about? Amen. You can't approach it lackadaisically. You have to approach it intentionally. Is that right? And so without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that faith is only, the faith that will please God, is only available to those who receive the word of God. You see how this works? So what does that tell us? It tells us that the soil of the human heart plays a very important role in this thing that we're calling faith. Isn't that true? Remember what... um, Hosea chapter 2 verse 22 says again, and this is why our hearts play an important role. The earth, our hearts, will respond to the grain. Hearts will respond to Jezreel. Hearts will respond to the sower. How are they going to respond? They will either reject or they will receive. Amen? Now let's look at the soils. You ready? Show this picture up there, Randy, if you don't mind. Here are the soils. There's four soils. I was so glad when I found this picture. I was like, dude, that is right on. I was going to tell you that I painted it, but I don't know. Thou shalt not lie and all that stuff, you know. But this is perfect, you guys. Now, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now that um, just for the sake of time, I'm going to jump into what the parable is talking about. And Jesus explains it. In fact, I'll go ahead and go there. And I'll read and explain along the way. Is that okay? You can turn there, Matthew 13. It says, Behold, the sower went out, God went out, and sowed Jesus. <laughs> we learned that today. Some seeds, some Jesus, some word, fell beside the road. And the birds came and ate them up. Okay? And one of the other, one of the other um, tellings of this parable, uh, it was either Mark or Luke, talks about how um, the, the uh, soil fell along a, fell along, uh, a pathway. A pathway that is stomped and got stomped and trampled on men. So imagine this, this um, hard soil that has um, just been tromped on and stomped on. And, okay, Th- this is what Jesus is trying to tell us. Well, let me finish reading so we know what he's trying to tell us. Some seeds fell beside the road and the birds came and ate them up. Okay, so here's what he's trying to say. The reason birds, which by the way is a picture of the enemy... The birds are the enemy who comes and steals God's word. He did it in the garden. He tried to do it to Jesus in the desert, but Jesus was strong. You guys know what I'm talking about in the desert, temptation of Christ? Hath God really said, do this? Jesus said, don't tempt me with that. I know God's word. Anyway, 
What Jesus is saying here, the reason that the enemy was able to come and steal the word is because it never went into the ground. And the reason is, is that soil was hard. A hard heart has a very difficult time receiving the word of God. And we like to say, well, that's just the way God made them. He gave them a hard heart. That is not what we've been learning. Is it? In Ephesians 4, Paul says that they being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, excluded from the life of God because, in other words, anybody that is excluded from the life of God is suffering the same thing that Adam and Eve did. Because of the ignorance that was in them due to the hardness of their heart. Adam and Eve became hardened when they, what? Started to mistrust God. And you think about someone that has a hard heart. Now, how many of you know, like, man, they're, they're so hardened. You've used that word. They, they just, their heart is hardened towards the things of the Lord. I thought about this. There's, I think there's a couple of reasons why someone has a hard heart. Because of pain or because of pride. And I want to tell you, because of pain, I've seen it all, man. I've seen the Christians. I've seen the church. I've seen the love that they have. I've been hurt. I've been stomped on. I've been treated harshly. I've seen it all. Or they're full of pride and they know it all. (laughs) Isn't that true? They can just tell you everything you want to know about the philosophies of life. But the truth is they don't know anything. Why? Because they don't know the knowledge of Christ. The word of the knowledge of the kingdom. Amen? And their hearts are hard. By the way, as we, as we look forward, this is, this is the only one of these four soils that did not sprout at all. Do you remember the video? They never had a chance to. It was stolen. All of the other ones, and we'll look at them, all the other ones sprouted. This one didn't. They were robbed. They were robbed. And there's people around us all day long who either in pain or walking in pride and their hearts are so hard that they don't know Jesus. And listen, they are not hopeless. It is not a hopeless cause. Let me tell you, there was a season in my life where my heart was hard. Why? Because of the pain not even so much because of the church, but the pain that I experienced. Upset with my mom, upset with my dad, went through the divorce, went through the pain, went through the rejection, went through the, shall I continue or am I speaking your language? And then I grew up a little bit and got prideful. <laughs> so I had both, you know, pain and pride. And I was hard and my life showed it. I did not know the Lord. But guess what? The Lord, in his own way, used people. One in particular was my wife to begin tilling up that soil. She started. And it took two years for me to get saved. Two years. Started with a hard heart and ended up with what we'll call a humble heart here in a minute. Isn't that good? I got saved. I stepped into faith. I received the word. Took two years. Lots of prayer. 
In Matthew 13, in verse 14 and 15, Jesus is talking. He says, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is, is being fulfilled. He says, you will keep on hearing. This is a prophecy. You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. It doesn't say, for the heart of this people was created dull. That's not what it says. They were created with hearts ready to receive. But they became hardened. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would have seen with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understanding with their hearts, and return, and I would have healed them. Wow. For the heart of this people has become dull. Otherwise I would heal them. That's what it says. Jesus, this is Jesus' word. And listen to me real careful, and we'll move past these other ones pretty quickly. But this is true of us after we become believers too. This is very true. Listen to what it says in Proverbs. He who conceals his transgressions or his sin, he who hides his sin, will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. How blessed is the man who fears always, fears the Lord. But he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And this is talking of someone who has walked with the Lord. So you can become a believer and through (laughs) pain and pride develop a hard heart again. Now I'm not saying that you would lose your salvation, but faith isn't going to be very active in your life while you're here. Isn't that the truth? The next one is heavy hearts. Heavy hearts. You can see this guy's kind of downcast. And the picture that Jesus paints is that it did take root. It did go into the ground. But it didn't have a very um, deep root. It fell upon rocks. And without getting into a bunch of agricultural stuff, the the ground just wasn't deep enough. And so very quickly, the sun, which represents trials and tribulations and hardship, came. And it's like, "I I can't do this. And they withered and died because the roots didn't go deep enough. We see that all the time. Now remember, this is a believer. So now we're talking about believers. We're talking about soil that did receive it. But what happens? It didn't go deep enough. And I'll just tell you right now, that is the fault of the church. It is. It's our fault, for the most part. Because Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, not per, uh, not per, we're perplexed, but we're not despairing. Our hearts aren't heavy. And he goes on to, to tell us, here's why. Jesus, Jesus, Sean, you're going through a hard time. Well, let me tell you, brother. Let me tell you right now. You look to the Lord. You let your roots go deep. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, the sun will not scorch you. But we don't do that. I'll pray for you, brother. Later. And then I forget. When Melissa and I, when people ask Melissa and I to pray for them, and we go, okay, let's pray now. They're like, oh, uh, really? Yes. Okay. Like, I'm not going to waste an opportunity. Are you killing me? Are you kidding me? Are you killing me? (laughs) (laughs) Prophet Isaiah said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. To preach the good news, to set captives free. He goes on to say, to trade a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's what he came to do. Spirit of heaviness? I got you covered. Let me give you a garment of praise that they might be called trees of righteousness. Isn't that good? 
the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. You can't make this stuff up, right? We must discern, I wrote this in here, I'll just say it like I wrote it. We must discern a heavy heart. We've got to be able to discern a heavy heart. And then we've got to come alongside with encouragement from God's word. Let me say that again. We've got to have eyes that can see, not just what we want to see, but what we need to see. Discernment, spiritual discernment. Eyes to see, ears to hear. Not just biblical truth and go deep in God's word and my roots are. Yeah, your roots are deep, but this guy's being scorched by trials and tribulations because you won't pray for him right now. It's goofy. My soul melts for heaviness. Strengthen me, God, according to your word. Heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop. But a good word makes it glad. Proverbs. The third one is hardy, uh, haughty hearts. Haughty hearts. Not haughty as in, dang, you look good, but haughty as in prideful. But let me explain this because this person doesn't look very prideful. They just look, somebody take a shot, distracted, which is a form of pride. Let me show you. Proverbs two, uh, 21 verse 4 says, haughty Eyes, again, we're not talking about haughty eyes, but haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked is sin. Haughty eyes. And what that means is eyes that think they got it all together, and so they're going to look all over the place and get distracted with the things of the world. Um, John talks about that in chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, you guys with me, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Jesus goes on to say, this is someone that is distracted with riches, comfort, a life of abundance that they pridefully, haughtily think that they get from the world, but they don't. A life of abundance only comes from receiving the seed. The word. Is that what we've just learned? See why this foundation is really important? Proverbs 18 says, Before destruction, let me say it again, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. But humiliation goes before honor. And that brings us to the fourth one, a humble heart. And I mentioned this earlier, a humble heart. A heart that is tilled up, ready to receive for multiple reasons. And I believe that, that we here at SOMA, whether it's here in this pulpit or in our life groups or whatever, I believe we're teaching this all the time about humility. God opposes the proud, sets himself up in a three-point stance against those who are prideful. Ready, you want to you wanna knock heads? We'll knock heads. But he says he gives grace to the humble. Amen? Now listen to that. He gives grace. And you can apply other words. He gives his word. He gives his seed. He gives his faith. He, he, amen? To a humble heart. Remember what I said? A heart can pridefully reject or humbly receive. Now here's the question I want to end with. Because Psalm 78 verse 8 says, don't be like their fathers. There's a big 
thing going on in this chapter of Scripture. But it says, don't be like their fathers, talking about the fathers of Israel, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart. Let me say it this way, that did not prepare the soil of their heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. You are one of four soils. I've been one of four soils and sometimes, unfortunately, totter in between the last two. But you are one of four soils. You are someone right now whose heart is hardened to the things of God. God's been working. You, you, you might even know it and realize it. Maybe, in fact, the fact that you are here was that final blade, that final rotation of the tiller, if you will. And tonight, your heart is fully softened enough to receive the word of God. And God's going to bring his salvation to your heart. He's going to plant that seed. You're going to, it's going to go. And if that is you, our commitment to you, we got to know it first. People get saved and we don't even know it. I've been saved. I didn't, how, when did you get saved? That happened in youth one time. This kid came up to me and we were talking. It's like, man, I, you know, I just, you just need to know God. <laughs> I kind of used to tell him how it is. He's like, I do. No, what I'm saying is you need to not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer. You need to get saved. I did. When? Like, remember three weeks ago when you were talking about blah, 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 blah? It's like, yes. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. He didn't come forward because we didn't have an altar call that night. But he received Christ in his heart. But I never knew it. I'm glad he finally told me that we got down to the bottom of it because we did. We started, um, he joined our discipleship class and started doing some cool stuff. Serves the Lord to this day. <laughs> Isn't that good? Why was I telling that story? Somebody in this place, that final rotation of the tiller is tonight. And like, why walk out of those doors? Well, I just want to keep on being hard. That doesn't make sense. That's pride. And I understand the pain. I do. But that pain did not come from God. It came from people who did not have humble hearts. He doesn't fail. When man is unfaithful, God is faithful. It's one of the things we've been learning. Tonight's the night. Or you might be someone who has a heavy heart. You've been going through so much junk that it's like, oh, in your heart, you, you, you're butted, but man, you are, you are withering. You're like that little happy flower that goes, you know, and you're, you're on your way down. What did we say that, uh, well, that was on a, what did we say about the stooping? Y'all remember that? That was a good scripture. I don't remember where it went though. Oh yeah, heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop. And you're stooping. Not stupid, but stooping. You know, and it's like, listen, God wants to refresh you. He wants to bring water. Did you notice in that video that, the, that that plant was just scratching the dry land, trying to find water? You get, y'all see that? It just showed that scene little thing twice. Why? Because it was searching for the living water, the new wine, the oil, the grain, life. That's, that's what you need. You need living water. The suit is germinated, it's bloomed. You just need some water, man. God wants to refresh you tonight. But you might be someone who has a haughty heart. And you're so focused on everything but God. Remember what Jesus said? Seek first the kingdom. Everything else will work out. Seek first the kingdom of God. Stay focused. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But you're distracted. 
Some of you are distracted in really ugly, wicked, sinful ways. And some of you are distracted by things that are going to take you to wicked, ugly, sinful places. Either way, tonight is a night to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord that he may lift you up. Amen? Amen. The good news is, it's all good news because God's going to do something. Oh, wow. In the next two or three minutes. No. The good news is, is that many of us have humble hearts. And that's why God has come tonight and inhabited the praises of his people. Some of you are here tonight, you've never seen so, so many people excited about God. That's another turn in the tiller of your heart. Amen? I want you to stand. I want Sean to come up. And we're going to take the time to worship the Lord and to express ourselves to him. If you're a hard heart, tell somebody. We have an altar ministry team that comes and they'll be up at the front and they'll be worshiping too. So grab them. If they're on the front row, they're an altar ministry. People that will pray with you. Tell them. Tell them. I, I just need to know Jesus. Or tell them if you're scorched. Or tell them if you want to humble yourself and, and, be, and um, walk away from the prideful things. Amen? And if you're somebody that you can truly say, I, I have a humble heart, then just let your praises come forth so that he will come and inhabit this place more than he already is. Amen?